Welcome to the Expat Birth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to empowering expat families as they navigate pregnancy, birth, and postpartum abroad by sharing resources and stories. Are you ready? Let's get started. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and to serve families as a platform for sharing stories. Any information shared by the main host or special guests is not intended as medical advice. It is vital that you consult with a medical provider before making any medical decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Expat Birth Podcast. I am interrupting the normal flow of the podcast um, to talk about a really interesting survey that I just put together about a month ago or so. Um, I was deeply inspired by the TCK training huge survey that they did um, in, I think, last year, and they just came out with the results, just talking about um, true data from the work that they are doing in TCK care. And I realized I am not the person to do a full scientific survey. I know that they spent months and months and months um, using people with very um, trained and honed skills. Um, But I had several questions that I was just really um, curious to see kind of what... um, what, how people would answer. I had inklings of how people would answer based on all the stories that I've listened to via this podcast, as people have shared, or just in conversations I've had um, offline. And I was just curious what a slightly larger pool would, would show. And I was hoping, honestly, for maybe like 30 or 40 results. And within probably 72 hours, I think it might have been 96, but like three or four days, we had 106 responses. So first of all, I just want to say thank you to everyone who took the survey. Um, I took it down after that because I knew um, it's just me looking at everything and I didn't want it to get beyond what I could handle. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much for answering these questions. And also, thank you so much for your feedback. I'm going to go into that um, in a second. But the feedback has been extremely helpful. So what I wanted to do in this podcast is one, if you hadn't, if you weren't aware of the survey, I just taught it, um, titled it the Pregnancy, Birth, and Postpartum Abroad Survey. And it had about fi- uh, 10 to 15 questions on the survey. Just basically, it was things that I was curious about. So I wanted to start by saying, one, what this was and was not. One, I think I've already kind of hinted at the fact this was not a scientific survey. I have no background in research. So this was literally just questions off the top of my head that I had been, you know, wondering about for quite a while and put onto a survey, onto a platform that I had access to and 
see to see what people would say. So really what this um, was just really like a starting point for me to get some general answers. And what I've realized going through like reading all the answers and like people put extra little comments and more about their story and I've emailed with several people back and forth afterwards that this survey produced more questions, follow-up questions than true answers. But I I hope that you find it interesting. And I think if, if you take anything away from this experience, I hope it is that uh, to feel uh, the feeling of validation that you are not alone in maybe some of the emotions or experiences that you have navigated in your past or current uh, pregnancy, birth, or postpartum periods abroad. So it is not scientific, but I'm excited about where this allows us to jump off to. The second big thing I wanted to say before I get started in the results is that I cannot draw any, because it's not scientific, because uh, no one helped me write these questions to make sure that we got a very specific type of answer that could be calculated. I can't draw any conclusions, right? But I did make a couple interesting observations that um, I will talk about, but not from a, this is the answer, or this is what I think the numbers are showing us, but just a, hmm, these are some trends I noticed. Um, I would love to have someone else who knows something about research to look at this more closely and see if there's anything to it. Um, so, and a lot of people who didn't know me took the survey and were like, what exactly are you using this for? And so I just wanted to give a little, I guess, framing for what I want to use this for going forward, I guess. So first of all, this is just a general curiosity, but also one of my, I have a heart for educating, encouraging, empowering expat families. But my other part that I'm really passionate about is advocacy. And I'm finding that this is such a small subset, such a specialized subset of expats, those navigating the perinatal period abroad, there isn't a lot of data on this particular group. And I, my heart is that I want to empower education, um, not education, but organizations and even like employers who employ large amounts of people or just um, expat groups in general um, and their support systems to have data that's meaningful to better support our, our families and to hopefully maybe identify some unique stressors to the expat family experience um, and to help mitigate bad experiences and to help support if there if we can find a way to identify what these stressors are or to identify what kind of experiences should they happen need special follow-up and special care after we will kind of envelop these families into just these nice support systems that uh, prevent unneeded trauma and stress in the perinatal period abroad. But also if things happen, because, um, you know, there are bad outcomes or bad experiences, if those happen, those families are quickly caught and um, helped 
to heal from that experience. And so that is, that's kind of my goal. We'll see if uh, the doors open um, to get there, the right things fall into place. So that's kind of a little bit what the survey is, what it isn't, and where uh, I hope we can go from here. So what did I learn from the survey? Guys, I learned so much. A lot of it was thanks to um, really honest feedback. There were some big holes in my survey, to be honest. And um, it wasn't super surprising to me because I, I am very aware of my shortcomings as um I am not a researcher, but uh, it. I have taken notes and notes and notes of things that I should ask better. There were um, multiple people raised the raised the point that this survey was not built well for people who have navigated multiple births abroad. So that is something that I hope to change if I get the chance to craft a better survey with somebody with more experience um, and. It didn't talk about perinatal loss. That is, I think, a huge experience, but I'm trying to weigh if that should be its own type of survey. Um, so if any of you guys have thoughts, I would love to hear it on that. There were also uh, also multiple like birth um, outcomes that didn't, or or birthing options that didn't make it on the list. So like I didn't have induction on the list. I don't know how that didn't make it on there, but um, so it was just kind of rookie errors and I've just taken so many notes. And then several things are follow-up questions that as I was reading the answers, I was like, oh, I should have asked if this, you know, did this impact this question? Um, so just a, a lot of things that were connecting I also hope to have clearer wording of questions and answers. Uh, I have talked to um, one specific person who has been super helpful for me, who has a little bit more background in uh, reading research and things like that. And she has just helped me think about uh, the need to gather existing research on maybe uh people who have just given, just general people who have given birth, maybe like within their own culture. And so I want to, if I have time and can, can um, get a plan, just really evaluate existing research on, on birth and birth outcomes and what things will help you achieve a positive outcome and what things maybe will impact a more negative feeling of your birth or will impact you reviewing your birth or postpartum experience as traumatic or really hard. And so there's a lot of work on my end to be done. And then I really, through this this survey, was able to kind of hone my focus. Because like I said, when I threw this survey out to the world, um, it was really just genuine interest of questions that I had. But now I feel like I have a, a goal of, I want to identify these stressors. I want to identify things that help make it more positive. And then how can we mitigate those stressors? How can we raise awareness about these things that make uh, your experience more positive? To have just more positive birth memories and stories and families that are healthier serving cross-culturally or living abroad. So really quickly, I just wanted to talk about some of the results that 
we came across. If you want to see a breakdown of pretty much all of the questions that I asked on the survey, you can go to the Global Birth Coach Instagram account. And on that, uh, I think I had to make three different posts of all different kinds of graphics that show you how they were, how they were answered. Now, a few of these questions I actually added within 30 minutes of the survey going live or maybe 30 minutes it happens somewhere early on um, based on some feedback I got from people who first took the survey. So some of the questions actually didn't have answers. And I did try to email um, the 30 or so people that had already taken the survey and I got some answers back, but not all. So um, that was just a little background of what you might see in the graphics, why there's like unanswered or unknown um, in the results. So what did, what kind of things did we see? One, I had, it was a very wide range of people from all over the world. The largest chunk was in Europe. The funny thing is, I'm pretty sure someone shared this survey in a Hungarian expat group because out of that uh, European group, a large chunk were expats in Hungary. So Huge shout out to that group who helped um, bring in a lot of responses. One thing that I did notice, and I have to crunch them, I'm still crunching numbers on different aspects, um, but I did notice that some people might think, oh, I bet you that people in Europe have better birth outcomes or they have all these options. I bet, you, I, I bet it's just better to give birth there. And they think, um, I think it's easy to think someplace like, um, sub places like sub-Saharan Africa or places in South Asia, you would have better, like worse, worse birth outcomes or worse experiences. But really, what I saw was a very uh, wide uh, mixture of those experiences. We had people in places like Sudan and Rwanda, um, parts of India and South Asia that had exactly the birth that they wanted and a very positive birth experience. And we had, on the other end, there were multiple births out of Europe that uh, people felt were very traumatic. Um, so all that to say, I think a positive birth experience can truly happen um, in, most, in a vast majority of the world but you have to have the right things in place um, to have that. Whether And that's what I haven't honed exactly what that is, but I do know from kind of anecdotally what I've been reading and hearing and through the survey is just if you have a provider that you strongly believe in and that you trust um, and you have had good care and good support, those things seem to have made a difference. But we'll see if future research proves that time. I did see that this is something I had thought and this survey kind of showed a little bit more, but over half of the people who responded, the 106 people who responded, gave birth within the first two to three years. So either they land landed in their new place pregnant um, or got pregnant in the first year or um, first two to three years, over half. So that's when a lot of people are in the midst of language learning and intense cultural acquisition. So I would love to explore that further about how that correlates with their birth experience. Language, same thing, over half stated that limited language had some kind of um, 
impact on their perinatal experience abroad. The kind of birth. Now, this was interesting, and I will admit I had I didn't have all the answers options that I would have loved to have had. But of the 106 responses, 46 people had cesarean sections and 60 people had vaginal births. So that's actually a kind of a high cesarean rate. I have no way of, you know, I would love to have further research. Um, But one thing that I'm thinking about is a lot of people when they land in these other countries, there's a lot of other countries. I mean, the U.S. has its has its own job to do in lowering unnecessary cesareans, but um, a lot of these countries, especially if you are an expat going to the nicest hospital or seeking out the higher level of care in that country, they will have higher cesarean rates because that's uh, somehow there's a correlation there of uh, how they were trained. I'm not sure exactly how it works, um, but I have heard that anecdotally. So I would love to have further research on if just being an expat in general and landing in uh, a, a place that you don't know or a new system, how that will impact the likelihood of you having an unnecessary cesarean. Um, I am not anti-cesarean. I've had a c-section and it was very much necessary and I am pro-necessary cesarean sections. Um, But for unnecessary ones, uh, how could how could those be mitigated? Because that does impact your future births, right? So um, that was an interesting number that we got from this survey. With anxiety, I was curious how many people had anxiety specifically related to having a birth abroad and over half indicated that they had some level of anxiety related to ha- giving birth abroad during pregnancy. So I would love to do more research on Uh, what level of anxiety they felt. Was it very anxious? Was it just slightly anxious? Were there certain things, parts of the perinatal period that made them more anxious? Were they specifically uh, anxious about a birth option or lack thereof? Were they, was it a multitude of things? I would love to know that. Support. Over half stated that they wish that they had more support. And that is something I would love more to kind of sit down with all of those people and just hear what would you envision that support to be. I did ask that question as an open-ended question, so I'll get into that in a second. But I would love to hear more through conversation about... Maybe you didn't have the support, but that could be over a vast... number of areas. It could be family support. It could be provider support. It could be, um, you name it. So I would love to hear your feedback on that. Advocacy. So this is something that I am super passionate about is empowering families to advocate for themselves. And I was so pleased to see that a lot more than I thought, uh, I think it was like 50 or so people indicated that they felt confident advocating for their needs, which is amazing. I would love to bring those other people to a place, those other, I guess it was like 50 something people, they ended up either had um, no, they did not feel confident at all, or they, you know, kind of did. So um, I would love to figure out what is it that makes you feel confident? 
one pitfall on that question that several people identified was I felt confident, but I did not, I was not happy with the choices that I had. So it was like I, the, the advocacy portion wasn't what impacted their birth the most. It was, I did not have, I, I didn't have access to options that I really wanted. So that's something to definitely explore further. So this last thing that, or two, two last things. One is resources. So I was curious, this was an open-ended question, so it's hard for me to do true statistics on it, but I asked, what resources did you rely on the most? And then what resources would you have liked to have had? Um, and so I'm just going to go over kind of the, I read through all of them and tried to make groupings. So um, this isn't an exact science, but I, the resources that people identified they used most, this was not surprising to me. The top one was expat friends, and the second was local friends. Um, so this is something that I picked out anecdotally, is that most of knowing what resources you have is through word of mouth on the ground. And I that is why I started the virtual village to be a better pooling of those resources because I know as uh, expats don't stay in one place usually for a very long time. And so every time someone leaves a city, their knowledge kind of leaves with them. And it can, it can happen in a very short time, a matter of like five years where there might be a huge knowledge base of resources in that city. And then in the matter of five years, it's totally new people. And so my goal with the virtual village is to be a place where we can hold on to those resources and hold on to that knowledge for future people landing in that city. So if you have resources, if you have a provider that you love, and this can be any provider that helped you at all through the perinatal period, um, whether that's a pediatrician, a dentist that helped release a tongue tie, I mean, uh, a pelvic floor PT, anything, I would love to put them and uh, a kind of a review. So I don't just like putting their name on it. I like saying, I liked this doctor because of this, this, and this on the list in the virtual village. So expat friends, local friends. The third was online resources and books. The fourth and final top that kind of really separated from the rest of the group, as mentioned the most, was uh, it was tied. So virtual groups and friends and family back home. So those were the top five, but the the last two were tied for the same number of responses. So then on the other side is what resources do you wish you would have had? And honestly, I was so excited to see a, a handful of people that said, I actually couldn't have imagined being more supported. Like I have nothing to give you. And I think that is awesome. I'm so glad that we are having people with those experiences. The rest of the people had really good uh, thoughts on this. And there were four that um, kind of separated themselves from the rest. And the last two, same as before, tied with the same amount of re recommendations. So 
the number one thing that people wish they would have had was a trusted medical person. And this is how I came to grouping this. This is people saying they either didn't trust what their doctor on the ground was saying, and they would have loved to have just had someone. And with trusted medical person, what I found is it's most likely, it's most often people wanting someone from their home culture a medical professional from their home culture to kind of speak into what a local provider is saying or helping them navigate limited prenatal care or postpartum care. So this could be, hey, I need a second opinion on this, what this OB is telling me. I had several people who really navigated the prenatal period totally alone and just kind of used books and online resources to do their own prenatal care. Um, so they, you know, it, it's two extremes, right? Um, birth abroad looks vastly different where in the world it is, which makes this a little harder. Um, but also several people indicated they needed a lactation consultant, like virtual support. So a virtual knowledgeable medical person who spoke their language um, with different specialties who could speak into their issues was the number one uh, resource that people indicated. The second was, I, I didn't really know how to group it, but they seemed to have a common theme of coaching slash someone who could just walk with them. So several people expressed this, I wish I just had another expat in my city who had recently gone through this, who could just talk to me. And I, um, that, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, but a lot of people, it was just this idea of someone to bounce ideas off, someone to help me think through, um, what this process is like. Honestly, that's my biggest hope in the, the global birth coach is to create a space where, if you don't have access to that person on the ground, um, I could come alongside you and help you be that sounding board and just think through what could be our options, what could we advocate for, um, what could this look like. So that was the second one. And then the third most common, so this is the, the last two. The first one was support with tasks or children. So I think this spoke to just the, the desire for community and better just practical support on the ground. Multiple people explained just helping with older children uh, during prenatal appointments so that their spouse could be with them more uh, or postpartum as they're trying to heal. Um, but also just tasks around the house. And I think that would be true of anyone anywhere in the world, even if you are back in your home, I'll say that in parentheses, or your the culture that you came from, your passport country, everybody needs that help postpartum, right? And so sometimes when as expats, we get separated from those those support systems and and you really feel it in the postpartum period. So I thought that was a very good point. The fourth one was better. So it was kind of like better access to education. So it was either birth education or lactation education in their own language. And so I had one person indicate that they wish they had had access to really good birth education in French for their husband, which I think that's a really cool th to think through. How could we get more birth education online in different or find resources in different uh, languages, not just English? Um, 
But yeah, so it just sounded like people just had a hard time locating that. And so there are actually lots of resources for education online. And part of what I want to do is help just connect people with the resource that best fits their needs. So those were the top four for resources people wish they could have. So this is getting long, so I'm going to try to to wrap up. One of the last kind of insights are, I guess, statistics, numbers that I thought were interesting and I would love to have more research in is the correlation between emergency cesareans and those who indicated that they struggled mentally uh, with mental health postpartum. So the emergency people who indicated that they had an emergency C-section they made up 28% of responses, which that alone is a, is a pretty high, um, pretty high um, indication. But um, 40% of those who indicated that they had struggled, so I think it was kind of like 20, 20 or so, I can't remember, I need to go back and look at the numbers, I should have written it down for the podcast, but of those who indicated that either they were diagnosed with the perinatal mood disorder or they had struggled and were never diagnosed, 40% of those people indicated they had had an emergency C-section. That's a pretty high rate. Um, and I, that is not a direct statistic, but I think that is let's get curious with that, right? Let's think through, is this what we would normally see in just uh, like a monoculture individual? I think, you know, it's much, you're much, I, I, I would think so, but um, does being an expat maybe like compound that, right? So um, I, I'm just, I think more curious than ever, to understand the journeys that expats are on in the perinatal period and how we can make that experience better uh, in the in the expat culture, how we can support each other better, and how we can have more resilient families that that come through this journey on a positive note or um, landing at the end, you know post-birth entering a culture, entering a support system where they can heal and heal well uh, in a way that they can stay healthy and stay on the field longer. So I don't want to babble anymore, but I hope that that was helpful. I hope that you felt validated in maybe any uh, things that you have felt in your journey, and I would love, love, love your feedback. So if you have any ideas, if you want to share your story, I would love to hear it. And guys, please just be on the lookout for, it'll probably be in the next year or so. I'm hoping to partner with some cool people um, coming up in the next few months, but be on the lookout for the next survey and let's get some good data so that we can advocate for better care for our pregnant expats. So thanks so much for listening and I hope you guys have a fantastic day, week, night, and we'll be back pretty soon with a birth story. Bye. You can find me online at theglobalbirthcoach.com. On social media, you can find me on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook at The Global Birth Coach. 
On the Global Birth Coach Facebook page, there is an affiliated closed group called the Virtual Village, and that's where I'm active most often. This group is designed to be a place where expat families can come together to encourage each other and share resources as they navigate pregnancy, birth, and postpartum abroad. Come and join us. We would love to have you there.